ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? Welcome in to the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. It's Joe George and for Jeremy Branham, he will return tomorrow alongside Joel Blank as always. And what a weekend. In sports, we've got a million things to get to. Corey Jolks has been sent down to the minors. A corresponding move will be made tomorrow. Aren't you supposed to say, Corey Jolks, go kooks? Do you still say go kooks and get demoted? Go kooks. Corey Jolks, go kooks. But even Jeremy had turned the corner on Corey Jolks. So Corey Jolks going to the minors. Uh, Corresponding move will be made tomorrow. I hope it's uh, John Singleton, not Caesar Salad. Yeah. Um, or Bly Madris, I guess, is fine. As well, as long as it's not Caesar Salad, we're okay. Uh, Titus Howard is going to be out for, quote, a while. Mm. See what that means. Uh, C.J. Stroud is going to start the first game of the preseason for the Houston Texans. This microphone sucks. Mm. And the Astros split the Yankee series 2-2. Two to two. And Nederland, Texas, is one one away from the Little League World Series. Right? Oh, and Tim Anderson got Oh, rocked. boy, did he. 1245. How about, how about, can't get here soon enough. How about worst year ever? You know how some people say best something ever? Tim Anderson's whole year, worst year ever. I mean, that's got to be one of the most embarrassing. We'll pause, get to it because there's because plenty to go with I, it. That, that could carry three hours. No doubt. Um, but obviously, we start every single Monday the same way. The good, the bad, the ugly. From the Astros weekend, 2-2 split. Justin Verlander made his official return. Jose Arquiti made his. J.P. Francis in the bullpen. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with the fact that a lot of people were losing their mind about the fact that this team only got a split with the Yankees. When you look at it, the two games you lost, you lost tight games. Now, the one you just didn't hit in the Verlander game, aside from an Altuve home run and a late pinch hit by Yiner, you can't go at any game and get two hits and expect to win. That's just embarrassing. And there's so much to take away from the fact that Dusty puts the, the as we titled it, the death lineup uh, out there and, and got a lot of results on Friday night. And then, tur- I think it was Friday night, and then turns right around and, and goes completely away from it. And Kessinger's at first base. And I'm going, what are we doing with the lineup they put behind Verlander that only got two hits? Going, why, when you know that it worked, when it got results, when it looks like it's a potent lineup, why are we going away from that? It's a great question. And the, my biggest issue was just Pena. Like, I, Pena is at a point where he should never be batting in the two spot. And that was, you know, when, when that lineup came out, we were obviously very excited uh, as we were wrapping up Friday's show that, you know, that's what it looked like. It was the death lineup's perfect because it looked like the most optimal lineup you could probably put out there. We were like arguing about semantics about. You know, is it better to have Jeremy Pena eighth or ninth? But, you know, the the big thing from yesterday's game, obviously Jake Myers. And I think that's why Corey Jolks is going down because Jake Myers, you know, two bombs. He's playing much better. Now, is he playing to the level of like a Chaz McCormick? Absolutely not. Is he playing to the point where I think there should be a conversation, Joel, about him playing every single day in center field? No. But there's a reason why Corey Jolks got sent down. And it's he because- can't hit. He can't hit. 
Jake Myers can, and Dubon can throw 98 from center field. Well, so and we're going to get to that too. But Jake Myers was a really good this weekend. He was, but I think he has to, he had to be. I, I was to the point where I was once again ready to kind of just call it a, a year with Jake Myers. And then he does what he does, has the weekend that he had. And it seems like every single time when you talk about timely hitting or just kind of timely resurfacing, that's what Jake does. Like the minute, like the last time, remember, when there was injuries in the outfield, it's like, well, you're going to have to just throw Jake out there and determine either this is it, he's either going to find a spot on this roster or you just you know, send him down to Sugarland or do something else. And he starts to play again. And that's what he did this weekend. And the two bombs are completely unexpected, but he looked like he had a clue at the plate. And that's something that you, I'm constantly harping on, and I'm not going to go to the point that a lot of people go to in terms of the fact that he looks like he's extremely unintelligent, and then they start you know, really kind of digging into how dumb he might be. It's not even about that for me. It just looks like he doesn't have a plan on anything that he's doing. And then when he plays like he played this weekend, you're like, why can't he do that all the time? Because then we might have a different discussion about the outfield. Well, that's why Jim Crane asked James Click if he wanted to bank his job on Jake Myers. And James Click said yes, because James Click was wrong. And he thought that, you know, this is who Jake was going to be on a regular basis. And he's just not, he's just not that guy. Um, Justin Verlander was also very good this weekend. Was it his best start? Of course not. But, you know, dealing with the bloody knuckle or whatever was going on, you know, you know, he went through, he dealt with that. And in a very positive way. And look, Justin was really solid. I mean, he was scheduled to pitch last Sunday for the Mets, didn't pitch, and then pitched yesterday. So he had to be at least 12, 13 days between starts. So he clearly was fresh. Seemed like it took him a little bit to get going early on in the start. But, you know, even though you don't win that game, that starts why you traded for Justin Verlander. There's no doubt about it. And like I kept reiterating with Jeremy. The playoffs is a different story. We'll get to that point when we get there and figure out what he can be and where the issues have been. But for the rest of this regular season, with all that we've seen and all this team has been through with multiple pitchers being out for the year now and all the different ways they've had to play musical chairs, this is that settling, calming force that you just needed and had to have at the top of your rotation. Yeah, Fromber got it figured out again. Yeah, I also think that Fromber got motivation from the fact that Justin Verlander was coming back. Javier looks better, but he's still not to the point where you can rest easy thinking that's my number two or number three. And then you get to the whole conversation about Hunter Brown and and J.P. France, and now you got Arcidi in the mix. You have more stability because you have more options at the top of your rotation now, and that's why it's a very good thing, and that's why this move had to be made. And if if he pitches like he does for the rest, like he did against the Yankees for the rest of the regular season, you have no qualms with that Justin Verlander. No, not at all. I mean, you really you can't ask for much more. And look, you were in a position to win that game. You lost three to one. You only had two hits. Altuve, another good. I just, I love Jose Altuve versus the Yankees. It's my favorite non-rivalry in sports because it's not a rivalry because he owns them. Mm-hmm. Just on a on a constant basis, he just dominates the New York Yankees. It, it's funny. I saw Chandler. I think it was yesterday. No, it was Saturday. He tweeted, shockingly, Jose Altuve doesn't swing at the first pitch. I love the way how aggressive he is. It's always been kind of his calling card since he moved in the leadoff spot. So another good one, you know, Jordan Alvarez was really good this weekend. Overall, like, you know, like yesterday's game was wild. Winning a baseball game in which you walk 12 guys is you're not making it easy on yourselves, to say the least. Right. So getting that win was really big yesterday. 
No, it was. And, and, you know, again, and I think Yankee fans overall had toned it down a little bit. But I just, even for, uh, Friday night, I'm just shaking my head going, does anybody in New York realize that no matter what you say or do, this dude just owns you? He just, every time he is playing the Yankees, he's going to get on base. He's going to hit home runs. He's going to make you realize you should just shut up and take it as opposed to spewing all this venom and then getting it thrown right in your face by a little guy that just doesn't care and keeps on going. Well, I think at this point they boo him because the Astros get booed for stuff that goes back to 2017. But the reality is is that they are the evil empire now. Like the Astros are everything Mm -hmm. that the Yankees were in the late 90s, early 2000s, what the Atlanta Braves were in the 90s. The Astros have been the most consistent and best team in baseball since 2017. It doesn't really matter if they cheated or not because they won another World Series. They've been to six straight ALCSs. I think most of these guys at this point, Joel, just like just get booed because they're on the Astros. I think most Major League Baseball fans, they hate the Astros because they can't beat the Astros. It's, It's like forever in a day and you take all the different dynasties and really good teams and realize that even if you're that team's bitch, it makes you hate them that much more. Definitely. So you just want to boo them and, and you want to express how much frustration you've had because of them. But in a lot of times, it's them, not you. Because when you look at it, the Astros just do what they're supposed to do. They win the games against you and they, they treat you like their stepchild. And they are a better team and have been. And if you, if you disagree with that, then show me the results where I should change my opinion. Because the way I see it, uh, until further notice, no matter how big your payroll is and how many guys you think are coming in to save today and how many guys you poach from the Astros thinking it's going to make you better, at the end of the day, you go home when we go on, and that's the way we do business. And even though there was a split this weekend, there's no one looked at the, looking at those two teams going, the Yankees are a better team. No one. Yeah. Any other goods for you from this weekend? I think there was, I mean, there were several goods to me. I mean, when you look at just, you know, overall, some of the production you got from a Jake Meyer, some of the way that, you know, that Altuve, that was a huge positive to me. The Yainer Diaz Um, home run. Yainer Diaz, again, continues to hit the the baseball very, very well for this team. No matter. Dubon, I joked he was going to be Justin's personal center fielder. Then he was Justin's personal center fielder. And he didn't miss a step in terms of defensively what he can do. So I think those are a lot of the positives for me. Yeah, the other one that really stood out for me over the weekend was, you know, while Christian Javier was still, you know, shaky at best, I think is fair a fair way to describe it. Hunter Brown, six innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts. That strikeout number is kind of low, but a really good outing for Hunter Brown. It was. You know, unlike Christian Javier, who I think it's still the the jury's out about what he is, what he's going to be, what his future is in this rotation you know, versus the regular season versus the postseason. Hunter Brown was a really good bounce-back performance. He continues to kind of feel like that whatever book they found on him, he's kind of rewriting himself and, and getting his, you know, his starts back in a motion and a positive direction that we can all get behind. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, Joe, and I'll throw Jordan in there as well as a positive. Yeah. But, but when you talk about Hunter Brown, I'm going to throw another name in there, too. I'm going to throw J.P. France because J.P. France got a raw deal. J.P. France has no business not being in this rotation. J.P. France has no business getting the treatment he's getting based on what he's done for this team. And this is kind of like on the same lines of how Dusty mistreated Chaz early in the season with the opening series to me. I think it's disrespectful to J.P. France. When he came in, he did his job yet again. And I don't want to treat him the way they treated Javier a year ago. I don't want them to, to, I almost said a bad word, but crap on a guy that doesn't deserve to be crapped on. And, and, and I think that you're going to 
misuse a resource that you still very much need in the role that he had been filling previous to yesterday. And I think that has to be notated because of what you saw from Urquidy. Because of what, I think, two things. France, to me, is a big issue that we need to talk about. But also, to your point about Hunter Brown, that was not yet a make-or-break start for him, but it was as close to it without being one to where you had to start really figuring out, are you going to be a dude we can count on? Or if you're going to do this roller coaster thing, we got to figure out with Verlander in the rotation where you fit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned Jose Arquiti. He definitely falls into the bad category. The good, the bad, the ugly. From the Astros weekend, 713-780-3776. And, of course, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's Joel Blank. I'm Joe George. To Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. I don't get it. You never know what you're going to get. Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Bergman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. The Astros are currently uh, at the podium with Joe Biden. And they're at the White House. We're going to do our top five moments from some politicians for our Wheel of Bits today. We're going to spoil it for you. Plus, I'm sure Joel has some good White House stories. You went to the White House, right? I did. Both times? Uh, No. After the 95 season, I got a really nice picture with Ray Malchiori, who was our trainer at the time, longtime Celtics trainer, and Dream on the stairs of the White House that that I cherish. Um, That was uh, Clinton was the president and just, you know, just to be on those grounds and, That's pretty cool. and to be in some of those rooms in that white house and understand the history and stuff like that. It's an amazing experience. And so I, I feel extremely lucky to have been a part of it, but yeah, I mean, look, I think that it, it's lost luster and it's been very controversial in the last say 10 years. But I think that for the most part, especially as Dusty was talking about it yesterday, when you're talking about these foreign players from other countries and having a chance from their perspective to understand what it means from the, the countries they grew up in to go to the leader of your country's White House yeah. and be in that environment to be celebrated for your accomplishment is something that they really want to be a part of. So that's why it's so special for so many players. Yeah, I think it's a really cool thing that, like, I, I, I get why people want to make this, like, a political thing sometimes about what te- team's going, not going, players not going, especially with the last guy in there. Uh, but, like, it's it's a really cool thing that I'm glad – it's still a tradition, I know, and it stopped really just during like the COVID era. Like, right, teams stopped going, but I'm glad the Astros are back. So, if anything actually like relevant or funny happens, we'll play it for you. But frankly, nothing of importance is really going to come out of that. So, no. we'll let you know. Uh, we're doing the good, the bad, the ugly from yep. the Astros weekend seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. We got a text here, bad from six nine four one. Alvarez, your best hitter, batting fifth twice. That's on Dusty, not Yorda. Don't like that. Oh, yeah, that's a Dusty bad. Uh, another one, Alex Bregman, one for 15 over the series. Well, Bre- yeah. Bregs and Abreu Tough. start the bad. Bregs and Abreu were not good. And I've been the guy that, you know, regardless of what Abreu's done in his career in August, which is 
you know, expectations are very high for what he's going to do the rest of the season. But the fact that he turned it around in June and July was extremely encouraging, and he was getting timely base hits. He showed pop again. He was doing a lot of good things. And he showed me a whole lot of kind of I don't care again this weekend. It was just the kind of the laissez-faire kind of attitude around whether he's deep playing defense, running the bases, at bats. I mean, Rodon yesterday, and we can talk about that because there's the one thing that I caught that I was asking if anybody else saw. But Rodon, who's had a, a little bit of a history of wanting to come at the Astros. And sure. But this is his old teammate, the first time facing him. And you get 97 down the middle, and it's boom, boom, and you had no clue of getting anywhere close to that baseball. And then when you make the out, you're just like, meh, and you go back to the dugout. I'm like, I just see a lot of kind of loafing from Abreu that I've been trying to support. Yeah, he's he's just not playing. He's having a rough start to August, and obviously, you know, AT&T has done their, their best to show his past history in August. Yep. Uh, well, there's my bad. They had a brutal weekend. AT&T. Yeah, I don't think that uh, was up Saturday there doing. was a joke. I mean, to get the behind we were, home plate It was camera, spring training. Well, they lost. I said to Lisa, the minute I, we were, I we were running some errands or doing something, and we came into the house, and I put the game on. I went, uh-oh, it's a bad day at AT&T. She goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> I go, they're using day. back-channel audio with no stereo. They definitely lost their feed. It looks like they're taking the scoreboard feed because instead of from center field, you're getting it from behind the dish from the wide angle. I'm like, everything, there's no graphics at the, at the time that I turned it on. I'm like, this is an all-out disaster that someone is freaking out about right now. Yeah, it's one of those moments where we've all been there, if you work in this business, of of just like stressful moments that had to be there. And then yesterday, the audio was wrong, too. It was ahead of schedule. TK was calling strikes as the, as the ball was as being the, released. As the ball was being released, and it was like, I, I had to turn the sound off. Yeah. It was giving me a massive headache. On one play, he's like, oh, and he hit that one. I'm like, wait, the pitch is still on the way. Oh, yeah, he, he sure did. He hit that one. I'm going, what's going on? Uh, and, you know, just to note this, uh, Michael Schwab tweeted this over the weekend where I saw it first. Um that AT&T, the RSNs are officially being sold, and the Astros and Rockets are planning to buy the rights to AT&T Sports. I told you Sports. that about two, mo- two months ago. It's just like officially yeah. officially happened, it looks like. Yep. I it's a smart move by both teams. You're not, you're not uh, stressed out about that? That doesn't bring up like PTSD for Astros fans about what happened with the Comcast era? Uh, no, because I think that they ironed out all those things. I mean, having lived that, and and Ben went through it and just kind of wanted to fight the stubbornness of the two teams that weren't getting along very well at the time. And thank God you got rid of Tad Brown and Les Alexander, who hated the Astros and and wanted to like be combative and got a guy like Tillman, who's friends with Crane, so that they can work through it together. Yeah, I think that'll solve a lot of the issues of the past because I was in meetings where I said, guys, you don't understand. As much as you guys want to bicker around about control and dollars. Do you realize if you're a family right now with kids and they can't get these games, but if they're a baseball fan, they're, they're going to watch their uh, the, the national games and it might be the Yankees and all of a sudden they become a lifelong Yankee fan. Or because you can't get the Rockets games, you get LeBron's games. Yeah. And suddenly you're wondering why people that grew up in Houston are, are LeBron fans instead of Rockets fans. You are screwing up that kind of connection with your home fan base and they were all about the money, and they were all about the bickering, and they didn't want to realize it. I think this time around, they've learned. They've got cohesiveness between the two ownership yeah, groups. Yeah, I think it's going to work out much better. I think they also realize they can make this profitable. Yeah, my guess is that it's going to be like you're going to be just be able to just buy the games. 
and I kind of hope it adds some like expanded programming as well. It I, needs there's, to. There's some cool stuff they can do. Another bad we out here from a uh, nine seven eight zero. We talked about this before the show. Angel Hernandez. Oh my god, that guy sucks at his job. Like if this I guy... wish I could suck as, at my job as much as that guy did and still get paid. Well, you know what you got to do, Joe. You have to file a lawsuit because if you can file a lawsuit that scares your employer into not firing you, you can keep your job and be as bad as he is. Because the only reason why he still has a job and the reason why he wasn't working playoff games because he was that awful, but he said it was a discrimination because of his race, yeah. filed a suit. Now, Major League Baseball is deathly terrified to fire him. And with each passing game, and I went back, his first game back, because he missed most of the season with a back injury. His first game back was a Nationals game. He did the same stuff. Their announced, the Washington announced team was absolutely annihilating him with every reason to. And it's like now, it used to be in the past where MLB or NBA would send memos to their announcers, hey, this is one of ours in our league. You can't do this. Don't do it. Now it's free reign. Because, because yesterday, both the Yankees and the Astros broadcast we're teeing off with every reason to tee off on Angel Hernandez. Because it's so bad, there's there's no, there is there's no, no excuse. excuse. Like, there is nothing you can do. Because if you try to sugarcoat Angel Hernandez, you lose your credibility as a broadcaster. Because it's a joke. Like, he is absolutely atrocious. If you can piss off both teams and every fan base as much as you do, like, the game, he's the reason why people want Roboams. Well, I go back, Joe. Jake O'Donnell was a longtime NBA official. He had a beef with Clyde. He threw Clyde out one night for no reason. And when the Rockets filed the the complaint with the league and they went back and looked at the tapes, they realized it was all Jake O'Donnell's personal vendetta against Clyde. He never refed a game again. When you look at Joey uh, Crawford, Joey Crawford singled out Tim Duncan for laughing on the bench one night, threw him out for no reason, and you realize these guys want... They're the game within the game. They think they're bigger than the game. We've seen Steve Javi do it. We've seen Scott Foster do it. There are guys with this ego that kind of empowers them to be bigger than they are. And you can see that old cowboy Joe West was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no doubt about it that Angel Hernandez is one of these guys. But Angel Hernandez isn't about, like, the demonstrative behavior that you do to draw attention to yourself while still getting the call somewhat right. He's so blatantly bad that it's laughable that he still has a job in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's really it's a joke what he is on a consistent basis. Uh, I don't know which category uh, you want to put Jose Arcadia in. I'm going to put him in in the bad because it is his first start back. Um, but he wasn't what you were hoping in yesterday's I, game. I think the first inning he started out really with the bite on his breaking pitches and the way he was using them. Yeah. And then he kind of tried to get too cute when he gave up the home run. But I thought the first three innings... He showed me a lot of in, I was encouraging signs about kind of pitching more than just trying to throw and, and placing his breaking pitches. It looked like he had done some work in terms of his mechanics and release point to where everything was in the right spot in the zone when, where he was throwing his pitches. And then the fourth inning happened, and I'm like, see, this is why we don't need to be doing this. Yeah, Jose Arquiti is a fixture in this rotation for the regular season. I, I just I, I'm at the point now where – I, I really I don't think Jose Arquiti will be on the playoff roster. I have no problem saying that there are six Astros starting pitchers. You only use four in the playoffs. Really, you only use three. And I know last year they ran with him out there, and so I guess there's a chance he's on the playoff roster. But if he is, it's gonna be just like last year. 
He's rarely going to make appearances. He's probably going to make appearances if you're getting smoked in a game or if you're up by five or six runs. Like, Jose Arquiti is not part of this team's long-term plans to win another World Series. And this first start just didn't do anything that made me feel like he should be. J.P. France is a huge part of that conversation where J.P. France is just better. He's better than Christian Javier right now. For the most part, J.P. France has been better than Hunter Brown. So, And those other two guys have been better than Arquiti. So it's nice to see him back out there, and I hope that continues to you know, improve and that those first three innings, like you said, Joel, are what he is going to be. Look, he has a 6.1 ERA this year, yeah. and it inflated over on, on yesterday's game, but he just doesn't, he doesn't have it. He's Joel Blank. I am Joe George. We got John Belmer behind the glass. We'll get to the rest of the bad and the ugly next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 975.com Fighter of the Night Man. What is screaming? He's so happy. The other screaming a passionate shout. It's the Nightman. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Hey, back on the bees. It's Joe and Joel. Jeremy's oh, out. Oh man, let's try and find out like if you guys have your best guess as to why Jeremy is out again. And you can start with the fact that he probably was not so gentle with Ben. Hmm. Tell you what, I'm feeling it today. Yeah, you, you did tell me. I that didn't you know I was going to be hosting today. Jeremy was out last minute. My wife and I we did the Brazilian. First of all. A Brazilian wax? steakhouse. You get a wax. No, Brazilian steakhouse. Joe got a Brazilian. No everybody. Chance. You know how long that He's would take. He's chafing. That would oh, be. Oh yeah. That would That's be like right. uh, Joe George and the wife did the Brazilian. Nope. That would be like it'd be like a Steve wax Carell. on wax. Well, you know, I'm it, not Spencer, but I'm here to tell you. It would be like Steve Carell in Forty Year Old Virgin. If I were to get waxed, you're a hairy dude. Yeah, man. Okay. What? It's just the reality. It's the Joe I got, Bear. I got hair on my chest. It's the Joe Bear. Um, we went to the Brazilian Steakhouse last night. Well, you said you, and then, you got uh, a Brazilian at the start of this. No, yeah, I, I mean, Johnny can yeah, back no, me up on I know, this. There are I things know. that come out of your mouth I'm sometimes. probably probably chump of the week again. I got nominated last week for Is the, that show still going? Yeah. Oh. Um, for saying that I'm not white. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I said I'm not a white guy. I met clo- like I don't wear white clothes. Didn't come out that no, way. No, I was here to witness um, it. Yep, but then I, we drank uh, like a lot of wine last night. So I'm I'm in the hurt locker a little bit today myself. But we're okay. We're gonna persevere, Joel. That's what we do on this. That's show. what I do, um, regardless of you. Only because you have to persevere us, right? Um. So let's. What are your What's your thoughts? So here's me on Arcidi. Right. I, I don't. I think. Again, I always go back to the fact this is a different year than every year over the last six or seven when you were in the driver's seat except for the the COVID year where you don't have a 10-run lead in the division. We're not going into fun experimentation with pitchers that might be, could be useful down the road. Urquidy could be your Seth Martinez for the rest of the season. Urquidy can be a guy that can get innings to show you that, like you just said last segment, he could try and earn his way onto the playoff roster. But for me... It's twofold. You can't punish J.P. France because he couldn't do much more than he was doing to do everything and more than you ever could have expected from a guy that you had no expectations for at the start of the year. The fact that you have relegated him to bullpen work to do what he had to do yesterday and he did nothing wrong to deserve it is blasphemy. It's it's ridiculous and it's got to stop. And part of the reason why I'm saying what I'm saying about Urquidy is because 
you are mistreating a guy that doesn't deserve it that can help you down the stretch when you're trying to catch the Rangers. So I believe that you need to go back, even if you go six-man rotation. J.P. France is in there. Urquidy is your spot starter slash Blanco Belak type guy that goes to the bullpen or he can go to Sugarland and get innings. But if he's in your bullpen, he's your long reliever. And then there are chances where you keep him stretched out where he could possibly do more. But you put J.P. France where he belongs. I think this is what's going to happen, Joel. I think that it is going to be a hybrid five- or six-man rotation. That, you know, for example, starting tomorrow versus Baltimore, the Astros play nine straight games. I think we will see the six-man rotation in that fold. When they get to next Thursday, the 17th, and they have an off day, that's when J.P. France will slide back into the bullpen for a game or two, and he will kind of be that Javier. Because, look, I think the big thing here, Joel, is that Justin Verlander and Framber Valdez don't want to wait seven days for starts. They're okay with six days because that's typically what it is anyways because you have off days built in, but they don't want to have a six-man rotation, then plus an off day is making it you're pitching once a week versus you know twice a week, then once a week, then twice a week. So I think that's kind of where we're headed, that it's going to be this weird hybrid. Now, but to your point, I think Dusty's doing it wrong. It should be Jose Arquiti that's the guy that's mixing in and out of the bullpen. He should be not be starting. J.P. Right. France should, and right. Arquiti should be coming in relief. But you know the other thing with that too is that if Jose Arquiti stinks and he comes out of the bullpen, games are going to get away from you. Like it, look, it's yeah, a but no, okay, but it's Joe, a no this win. Is, this is the Montero treatment. To a certain degree, while he's getting back a, and you're seeing what he could possibly be for you, then only then only use Arquiti when it, it's either a big run, a big lead, or a big deficit, and you just need him against major league hitting to kind of do an evaluation. Mm-hmm. But do that and don't do it at the expense of arguably your best pitcher over the last month. Sure. Not getting the kind of love and, and run that he deserves, that he has done nothing to warrant being demoted from, so that you can be the best team you can be. And to your point on Verlander and, and Fromber, that's all fun and games and fine and dandy. But what we don't want to do is get to a playoffs where Verlander, in a lot of ways, I believe, just like he fought it last year and decided at a certain point when Justin decides that it's time to go to a five-man, then you do what Justin wants. And then Justin gets gassed, and by the time he gets to the playoffs, he's got nothing left, and he looks like a shell of himself. So this year, because he sure. started the season late with the Mets because of you know a couple of different setbacks, and you get him back when you have now, I don't think he's going to be as taxed anyway, but you go six-man as much as you can until you get into September, stretch him out a little bit there, but then you know those two guys are going to be playoff ready as opposed to Putting too many taxing innings on him. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, look, we, you talk about Verlander. Fromber's important. But the two guys, really the three guys who you need to worry about the most in terms of getting taxed are Christian Javier, Hunter Brown, and, and J.P. France. Because those guys are going to blow past every single milestone that they have ever pitched in a single season. Hunter Brown is already almost there. It's like all of these things, like, add up over time. So just... You know, giving these guys some days off, some shorter appearances with someone in the bullpen, like that's where to me it helps your team the most. And Dusty has to figure out how to manage three guys specifically that are younger and their arms are not used to the wear and tear versus two guys in Fromber Valdez and Justin Verlander who are the complete opposite, who are horses, 
who are Cy Young candidates, who are Cy Young winners with JV, and like they just don't really have the same needs long-term as some of the other guys. So like, it's a delicate balance. Uh, any other uglies before we get to... Well, we're going to get to an ugly here in a second that is good for the Astros, ugly for the other team well, Phil in Phil Maton's got to be in there a little he bit. He stinks. Yeah. yeah, Phil Maton's got to be in there. But I think to your point, Maton rolls into what you're saying. At this point, you need more horses because you've already overtaxed your bullpen. So the more starters that can go six-plus and the more starters that can go deeper into games, the more you can kind of be less taxing on those guys at the back of the bullpen that's, that have taken on like career highs already yeah. in appearances and innings. And you the same way I said you've got to be mindful of that, do some things to get to keep Fromber and Verlander from doing too much damage to themselves by demanding a five man rotation. You also have to do some things along those lines to kind of pre medicate and treat your bullpen by giving them less taxing situations and less innings so that they can be ready for the playoffs. Yeah, another. Uh, and I don't know if this is an ugly, but uh, Todd, the show on Twitch says Graveman hasn't exactly been awesome. True, for sure. Like he has fair, not very fair. It, it has not been. I guess it wouldn't be an ugly. I guess he's more in like the bad category. Um, and even then, like it's just he's been okay. Like like just he's, Kendall Graveman has not come in and like blown the doors off and been you know already made a push to where he should be the eighth inning guy. Like nothing like that has happened. No, he's a whip. He's a work in progress. I mean, he's not a a bad or an ugly yeah. yet, but he's definitely a work in progress. Coming back here, getting reacclimated, trying to find his way, figure out his role, but also still be effective. He's struggling right now. So. You got to be patient with him. If in two weeks we're still having this kind of conversation, it's going to be a pretty hard conversation to have if you're Dusty and if you're Dana Brown because you went out and gave up a, a pretty valuable piece of your your future for sure uh, to go get him. Yeah, uh, the twelve walks yesterday, awful. That th- was three and a half hour baseball game yesterday. That felt weird. It was extremely long. It was, it was so excruciating. Long. To it watch. made me love the pitch. I think if we didn't have the pitch clock, was that a five hour baseball game yesterday? Without the pitch clock, oh my god! Like, like you're oh, up, man. You're up five one, and you th- you seem to be in complete control. I know. And you suddenly find yourself down in the ball game, going, "Did anybody get the license plate number on that bus? Just just ran us over." Yeah, that was brutal. All right, one other thing from this weekend. It's a good for the Astros. It's an ugly for the Yankees. Uh, here is maybe my favorite thing. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna say it's my second favorite thing that happened in baseball. We can get to the first one in the next segment, mm-hmm. but here's this one. That one is served into right field. It is a base hit. Fielded by Dubon. Here comes Stanton. Here's the throw. Here's the play. And he is out. Mauricio Dubon. By how much? Um, Michael K. Giancarlo Stanton with maybe one of the most embarrassing plays. He I've pulled seen. the shoot when he passed the third base coach's box. I couldn't tell. Like, is he hurt? Is he just a dinosaur? Did he quit? Did he just not know where the ball was and he thought he was going to, like, just walk into home plate? That play was bizarre. I mean, now, Dubon, 98 miles an hour, like, that was a great throw. JV yeah. almost ruined it by jumping up to catch it because that thing was perfect. And you know what's funny? My first thought, Joel, was, damn it, Dusty, we can't argue with the personal center fielder right, now for JV. Right. Dusty's this is, right. The equivalent that I, I, I give this play is, when a guy is driving to the basket in basketball and all of a sudden just stops and pulls up because you thought you heard a whistle. Like, you thought somewhere there was yes. a whistle blown yes. and it, it, the play was ruled dead and you just decide to pull up. Yeah. Because I did not understand what he was doing. I still don't. If you're Aaron Boone, like, I mean, that's a big man and he's making a whole hell of a lot of money. 
but you got to get up in his grill and you got to do something, right? I mean, Cora just suspended Verdugo and, and you know, guys across the league are doing it. If, if you do things to loaf, you need to pay the price. Well, you're already paying the price by paying up too much money, but I, I had no understanding of what the hell he was Because I'm not convinced he was loafing. Oh, also, stop it. I... He's I, not that slow, and he just flat out pulled the shoe. I just like could I would, you slide? Could you go back? Well, could, that's the weird thing too. What were you too. doing? Like he didn't even slide. That's what like, I wonder if he was completely unaware. Like he knows his third base coach, and I'm sure. I'm sure. Oftentimes, Giancarlo Stanton says, "If they're sending me from third, like this is this is cakewalk. Yeah. You don't send me when it's a competitive play. Feel free to pick your head up and see what the landscape looks like. I, I, that's the thing. I don't think he ever looked at the ball." Like, I think he literally was just running towards third, was told to run, and he just assumed that since they're telling his slow ass to go home, that he could just use a walker, as Alex on Twitch says. That was one of the incredible play. That was so funny. Like, I, I don't understand I don't know. That. I feel like I've never seen anything like that before. But you talk about it being like such a weird world we're in right now that we just witnessed that play, and then the weird world in which Yankee fans and Astros fans came together in, in the defense of themselves against Angel Hernandez. Because well, Michael, everyone hates him. Because Michael Kay on the bot call, if you hear those calls, were like, but Angel Hernandez is going to find a way to put Angel Hernandez in the middle of every play. Then you had the ridiculous Naris strike three that oh, ended up costing the no. Astros a run on Kiner Falefa. That was so bad. Okay, and I just tweeted this. I retweeted this. But the the fact of the matter is, for anybody that has any questions about any of this, Angel Hernandez missed 23 calls yesterday. He leads the league in missed calls. And this guy still has a job. He's only umpired like four games this year. Because of his back. Uh, Angel Hernandez is like, he's the great unifier in sports. Like the one thing, Astros and Yankees fans, they hate each other. You know, Cubs and White Sox fans, they hate each other. Mm-hmm. Red Sox and Yankees fans, they hate each other. Astros and Dodgers fans, they hate each other. But the one thing we can all get together on, we all hate, hate Angel 23 Hernandez. 23 missed calls in the Yankees-Astros game for Angel Hernandez. He now has the lowest correct call rate in all of the big leagues amongst umpires. Seems bad. Uh, that seems bad. You get a job. You get a job. He gets a job. Well, there was a fight this weekend. Oh, yeah, there was. And Tim Anderson, come on down. What an ugly weekend for you. That's next here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Insert random audio clip now. Mr. Campbell, send that amendment. The amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? And the chair has done the amendment. Amendment is adopted. to first by the diving Vaughn down the right field line kicks into the corner Ramirez on his way to second head first slide safe and in the score is Jimenez now Jose and Anderson square off they're fighting they're swinging down goes Anderson down goes Anderson Jose never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Jose decked him. And Tim Anderson was on the wrong side of that punch. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees 
Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Oh, it's Joe George filling in for Jeremy alongside Joel Blank. Tim Anderson. Down goes Anderson. How bad has Tim Anderson's year been? Well, he was having, uh, Tony already said it here on Twitch, he was having a day yesterday. Mental breakdown is what I would call it on Twitter. He was just tweeting away and all these different things. Anderson was? Yeah, Tim Anderson was. He was having a bad day. You know the early story, right? Concussion protocol. The wife and the mistress? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that started it. Uh, Yeah, he stinks this year. Like, he's been very bad. But that play, Joel, was absolutely, first of all, a great job by the play-by-play guy. That was uh, fantastic. That was the, Kevin Harlan-esque yeah. when Harlan describes a, an animal on the field or yes. anything like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, like, down goes Anderson. Yep. It just was absolutely. And the fact that, it's so like, Jose Ramirez gets up. Tim Anderson drops the ball, drops his glove. It's hockey season at second base. We're fighting. And then Michael Kopech comes in, and he gets Jose Ramirez kind of around the neck a little bit to kind of pull him away. And as he's pulling away, Jose throws the right hand, connects on Tim Anderson, and it was a knockout. Like, it was straight up, like, stiff arms, falling down. It was incredible. Well, and the thing was, I had to rewind it several times. Lisa was loving it. She, she uh, We were rewinding it, and I was like, did he tag him with an open hand, or <laughs> did he really tag him? And then when I looked at it more, he wasn't looking. He threw the haymaker without even seeing where it was going. And he just caught him flush. It was, and it was so great punch. because Anderson wanted it. He dropped the glove first. He put I up know. the whole shadow boxing, hands up, Duke's up, ready to go. And he got a couple of jabs in. He did, but boy, when he got stuck, that does not happen. This I, is in the Robin Ventura and Joey Bats conversation yes. for what you're going to be remembered for, no matter what kind of career you have. Odor knocked Joey Bats, yeah. the heck out. Nolan Ryan made Ventura a bloody mess. You're going to remember, no matter what Tim Anderson does in his career, for being the guy that got knocked silly by Jose Ramirez. Yeah, this is your legacy now. Like, now especially when because he, he's not going to win anything of importance as long as he's on the White Sox. Like That's his career. But So he gets caught with the mistress, who he got pregnant. Yep. He goes from an all-star caliber player to hitting like 215. He was hitting like 300 like two years ago. Two years ago. He was an unbelievable player. He's hitting, like, 100 points less, and now he gets knocked the you-know-what out. Mm -hmm. Like, bad year Tim Anderson, and at the same time, when you're Ramirez, this is where, this is the question that I have, too, Joe. I'm looking at this for what started it. Now, I honestly think that the first thing that I could say might have started it was Ramirez came in hot, and with Anderson standing, straddling the bag, Anderson looked like he 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 was in a position a vulnerable position where he had the most to lose in like in terms of like getting a knee knocked out or something. But then the fact that Ramirez goes through Anderson's legs, stays on the bag. And then Anderson has the tag on him, but he didn't slap the tag on him. I'm looking for like what's what what triggered everything. And then all of a sudden Ramirez pops up, finger in his face, and they go. And after the game through the interpreter, Ramirez basically says, "He's been doing this for a long time." And someone had to put a stop to it. And I'm going, well, what did he do? Uh, he's, I think he's just a talker. Like, I, Well, I, we know that he was talking. I think he's a talker, and I think he's a dirty player. He also had, in the last calendar year, where he made the con- controversial comments. Who did he, he called names? Was it right after? 
So oh, I don't remember. No, they had. There was a big deal where he had to apologize again. Oh, was yeah. Was it? Yeah, was it? Yeah. Um, it was. What's his name? The the third baseman for for the Yankees. That's terrible. Donaldson. Oh, Donaldson. Yeah. He and Donaldson got into it, and I'm never a Josh Donaldson fan. And I don't know. I, I forget exactly the specifics of it. But Anderson Anderson made some comparison to him and made some remark that was offensive. And you're like, hey Tim, at a certain point, maybe you should just get back to trying to resurrecting your career. But I don't. I know he's a talker. But I didn't see anything or could figure out anything to where it should have gotten to that level. And Ramirez seems like a pretty fun-loving kind of laid-back yeah. guy. I think Tim Anderson might be one of the more disliked players in Major League Baseball. I think it's kind of what we learned from this weekend. Because it's not like people are like rushing to judgment. Then Jose Ramirez's agent was uh, putting on Instagram photos of Ramirez and boxing gloves the next day. You also got to know who you're fighting. Like You, you got to know who you're squaring up with. Because like if you think that someone has never fought before, and you, you feel okay about that. But clearly, Jose Ramirez has. It's embarrassing. And what a pathetic organization that is. Because now they've got players talking about how there's no there's no leadership, there's no control. you got rookies sleeping in meetings for the White Sox. And Eloy Jimenez, he got hurt in the fight. Did you see that? He did. Yeah, he Not, came, It looked like he was hobbling out like, like it was an ACL yes. or an ankle or something. Like, it's like that season has gone from bad to worse. For them, they traded all these guys away at the deadline, and then this is what they're doing afterwards. Absolutely pathetic. I just, I couldn't imagine being Tim Anderson right now. Like, just what an embarrassing, embarrassing moment. So the Anderson Donaldson thing was where Anderson said, or they they got into it at second base. Same kind of thing, pushing and shoving around the base, and that's where Donaldson misspoke oh, and, and and called oh, him Jackie. That's right. I forgot about that. And then there was the whole back and forth about whether there was an inside joke or there was an inside part of that. Or if it was just or outwardly it, racist. Yeah, it was just two guys that are basically hated in their own locker room and every yeah. locker room they play in. But he just it's a bad look for Tim Anderson, who really had a career that looked like it was trending up to being one of the better players in the league for quite a while. He played on the WBC team. Yeah. You know, he he got a lot of accolades, like you said, in the last couple of years. And now he's just completely tumbled into, like, oblivion. I mean, Tim Anderson, like, he was a well over 300 here, and now he has uh, someone just texted in or, or tweeted us. Uh, he now has the same amount of uh, home runs as he does getting knocked out this season. One. That's for a guy that used to have pop. He has one home run this season. He's Jose Abreu. Like, he hit 301 last. Like, this is his last four seasons batting average. 301, 309, 322, 335. Now, 335 he beat out Yuli one year when Yuli was going for the batting title, I believe. Yeah. I mean, he, he, like I said, he's been a way above average all-star caliber player. Now, all of a sudden, his whole world's been tumbling down for about 12 months, and this is just like the coup de grace where if you didn't knock yourself out with your bad play and your actions, well, you might as well take one on the chin and just go you know, diver down. Watching him get carried off the field is... I know he, he came back probably. I know. Like... Haven't you had enough? And they got him to the dugout, and he got down towards the clubhouse, and then everybody figured, oh, okay, he's in the clubhouse now. And the cameras catch him coming back up the stairs looking for more. Bro, you already got knocked the F out. You don't want round two. Maybe he did. And then they didn't play yesterday, and that's probably why I didn't play yesterday. Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, first of all, he shouldn't have gone back in the game because I guess they don't really have concussion protocols in Major League Baseball. Maybe they do now. All right. Well, ask so- Anthony Rizzo. The that's true. That story is still bizarre to me. Yeah, uh, that no one really knows why he's just been. They're blaming the fog from a concussion that happened two months ago about why he stinks 
so bad. All right, it's officially preseason time in the NFL. The first Texans preseason game is this week, the last three days of practice. C.J. Stroud has been leading the ones on the field, but also a major injury has hit the Houston Texans. We hit on all that next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. All systems go. Houston is all systems go. 